Philippians chapter 2. A passage that describes one of the trademarks of all churches, of all local churches, of all believers in Christ. And we will see Christmas in this wonderful passage. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and the way that this, this is written, the structure of the sentence, the assumption is, and we do have encouragement from being united with Christ. If any comfort from his love, and yes, we have comfort from his love. If any fellowship with the Spirit, and we do have fellowship with the Spirit. If any tenderness and compassion, and we do then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And here we are this morning, singing praise to none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus, the one who was named before he was born who the angels told Joseph and Mary, name him Jesus. Yeshua, Joshua, the one who brought the the children of Israel into the promised land, into the land of rest. Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, is the one who's going to bring the salvation of the Lord. When Simeon held the baby in in his hands in Jerusalem at the temple, He held the baby and said, my eyes have seen your salvation. Because to look at the person of Jesus Christ was to look at literal salvation. Because there is no other name under heaven, according to the Apostle Peter in in the book of Acts. There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Only Jesus. And here Jesus is presented to us as the example, as the model, as the power for us as the church of Jesus Christ and a local church in Christ. 
to show the world who he is by the way we treat each other. Jesus told his disciples in John 13 on the, on the final night of his life, by this the world will know that you're my disciples, by your love for one another. And here the Apostle Paul describes for us what that love looks like and what that love is based on. We've got to be humble. We've got to consider others more important than ourselves if we're going to live up to the call of God. We've got to do that with one another in church. We've got to do that in our families. Husbands do that with their wives when they love their wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The wife does it when she submits to her husband as the church submits to Christ. We do it as we humble ourselves before each other and serve one another and put others ahead of ourselves. I was thinking of the tech team and the praise team as examples of that. Christmas season, for most people, is kind of busy. Even during the pandemic, it's still busy. It didn't really shut that down. We've got this to do and that to do and this to do and that to do. And here these guys are still doing their thing. Christmas Eve, a great, a great day of, of a night of family celebration. They'll be, some of them will be back up here, you know, getting ready and doing it. Because they consider others more important than themselves, which is what we do. That's who we are. And we learn that, and we see the importance of it, because we see it in the Savior. Look what it says about the the basis of this humility with which we love each other. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Look what Jesus did. We saw this a couple of weeks ago in relation to Christmas being the basis for our generosity. Jesus, who was rich, made himself poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. And therefore, we're generous people. That's who the followers of Jesus are. That's what we do. We give, we help because that's who Jesus is. Well, he also teaches us how to look at one another as better than ourselves, as more important than ourselves, that that everybody's opinion counts and matters, not just our own. And we see that in in the work that Jesus did even at Christmas when he took on the the human flesh that all of us have and that all humans have had since the beginning of creation. He emptied himself, the word says. It's, It's translated here as made himself nothing. He emptied himself. He left part of what he enjoyed for all eternity past in the fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit as, as, as God is three in one, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus was with the Father and the Son in, in 
in physical um, presence and spiritual unity, all from eternity past. And then on Christmas, he left some of that behind. Not all of it. He didn't stop being God. And this, this passage has been used because of, that, because of that word of him emptying himself. This passage has been used to, to really stoke the, a heresy called modalism. Where, where some people think that the Trinity really isn't God being three persons, but it's God appearing as three different types of God at different times. So sometimes he's the Father, sometimes he's the Son, and sometimes he's the Holy Spirit. Well, that's a lie. He's all three of those things all the time, and then included during the time of the incarnation when Jesus was man. All three persons of the Trinity were still fully functioning. Jesus was just functioning differently than he had before. And it was so different that, that Paul could use this term, he emptied himself. He left behind a lot of, of what he did and, and could do and was as eternal God. He limited himself in ways by taking on human flesh. All of a sudden, he was only in the manger. He wasn't everywhere all the time during that time period while he was living in human flesh. But he was fully man and fully God at the same time. We know that from the things that he did during his, during his earthly ministry. We know that he was fully God when he calmed the sea. We know that he was fully God when he healed people of, of, of all kinds of things. We know that he was fully God when he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and, and, and glowed with the radiance that Peter and James and John could hardly stand to look at because of, the, because of the, the, the glory of it and the brightness of it. We know that he was fully God when he rose again from the dead. He was fully God when he walked on the water. He was fully God when, when the soldiers who came to arrest him, when he said who he was, when he said, I am, and they fell backwards on their backs, these, these strong, mighty soldiers. He had, he had all, of, all that he had before, but he limited himself in ways while he lived in this world and humbled himself, not only as a man, but a servant of men. When the disciples were arguing among themselves as to who would be the greatest and what sparked that argument, and you can read about this in Mark chapter 10, what sparked that argument was James and John's mother got involved in the situation. And she, she uh, went behind the disciples' back sort of and met with Jesus and said, hey, uh, what do you say my boys get the right and left chairs at the, you know, in, in the kingdom, you know, the seats beside you, which any mother would want for their kids? And he didn't, con- you know, he didn't uh, condemn her for the request. And the, and the boys were right there. You know, it wasn't, she wasn't, you know, they, they were part of it. They wanted it too. And, there's no, and Jesus didn't condemn them for wanting it. But then he went on to say, it, it's not for me to see who gets these seats, but it's only for the humble. It's only for the servants. And so if you want these positions of, of high honor in my kingdom, be the servant or slave of all. And then he said this, for the son of man, speaking of himself, 
For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for all. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about as he describes the Lord Jesus' humanity and says that he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Oh, humble himself to become a, a child in a manger, that was humility. Humble himself to become a, a wandering preacher without really a home. As he put it one time, foxes have their dens, birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. That was a picture of his life. Humbled himself to minister in that way. Didn't stay in the, in the best houses, didn't wear the best clothes, didn't steer the best horse or donkey or, or, or whatever the case may be. He humbled himself in his life and ministry. But ultimately, he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. The most humiliating kind of death imaginable. But in his humiliation before men, as he was stripped down naked and, and nailed to that tree, he did it humbly, knowing that his sacrifice was going to mean life for every single person who believed in him. And so, like Paul is writing here, telling the Philippians to consider others better than themselves and to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Jesus, at that moment, considered us better than himself. Oh, not on an equal plane with him as far as being God, but so important that we could live up to what our calling in our creation had been given, that we would be able to glorify him, that we would be able to live lives of thanksgiving and service to him and to each other that it was going to require someone, only one could do this. Only the Son of God, the sinless one, could do this. It was going to require him to go to the cross. And the intensity of that cross can be seen before it ever happened when he's in the garden. After the soldiers had fallen down, they got back up and he allowed them to arrest him. Then he allowed them to take him to be tried in a a terrible double trial with Pilate, then Herod, then back to Pilate. And the soldiers all the time mocking him and abusing him. But before all that took place, when he was in that garden, he prayed and contemplating what that cross was going to be like. Not only the physical pain of it, but also the spiritual pain of having all of our sins put on him so that he could receive in himself the wages that all of us deserve for our sins because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so as Jesus contemplated going to the cross and having all of our sins put on him, and not just the ones here in this room, but all Christians everywhere from all times, all of us who believe all of our sins were put on him. He thought about that and the separation that was going to bring. Because sin separates And he knew there was going to be a moment when he was not going to be sharing that that wonderful union in some some way with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And that's why he 
He yelled on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, he knew what was going on. He knew about that, that separation that was coming. And as he thought about it before it took place, as he prayed, he said, Father, if there's another way that this cup could pass from me. But then he, he, he finished his prayer, but he said, not my will, but yours be done. He knew there was only one way. He knew it was going to be rough. He knew it was going to be hard, and it was. But he also knew it was coming. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And praise him that those of us who believe in him have learned from his word and from our experience together as his church and from all those who have gone before us, even even laying down some of the traditions that we're still enjoying today, even celebrating Christmas, even celebrating weddings, all of these things have their basis in God's word and the truths that we find here. And one of those is that as his people, as his children, as his believers we get to praise him for all eternity. And what, what Paul says is going to happen is happening even now. Our brothers and sisters who have already died, as we think about that, we think of many people that we miss, especially during this season. But our brothers and sisters in Christ, our parents in Christ, whoever that we know that has passed on, who are believers in Christ, we know that they are still glorifying God, in fact, glorifying him in even a higher fashion than we are now here. When we use the, when we use the euphemism, uh, they're in a better place. We do that to try to comfort ourselves, but it's the truth. They're in a better place because they're in the presence of God, bringing him the glory that he deserves in an even higher fashion because they understand it even more, having seen him face to face. And now, those of us who still are still living and awaiting that great reunion with those who have gone before us. But those of us who are still living, we can live up to what God has called us to in his church. To be these humble servants who consider others more important than ourselves. Out of reverence for Christ, because this is God. This is how God acts. And this is how we, according to Ephesians 5, this is how we imitate him. As people who love, who genuinely love and remember Love in our culture might be what somebody gives us, but love in Christ's culture, in God's culture, is what we give. When Paul described marital love, he said, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's love. Giving ourselves up for each other. He described marital love for a woman as submitting herself to Christ or to her husband as the church submits to Christ. That's a picture of Jesus' love because he submitted himself to the will of the Father even to going to the cross, obedience to the cross, and did that most amazing thing when he showed himself to be the servant of all, when he was willing to bear our sins. 
not just the fourth wise man's sins, all of our sins. And so Christmas is a time of great joy. It's a time of great rejoicing. It's a time of celebration, not just because he came into the world in the fashion that he came, but also because of what he did while he was in the world, especially when he went to the cross for us and then rose again victorious so that every one of us who believe in him can have the gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sins, reconciliation to God, and eternal life to enjoy with him, praising him and serving him life without end. Praise his name. And so, as we continue through this week, yes, it's this week. Let's not forget about who this baby is and what he came to do and what he, in fact, did in history for us. And let's remember to lift up that name to everybody that we know and everybody that we have an opportunity to share it with, that they might also receive from him the blessings that we have all received who have put our trust in Christ. And if you haven't done that yet, what a wonderful time to do so. Believing in Jesus is agreeing with the great plan of God. That it's only through his perfect son that we can be saved. That's humbling ourselves. That's that's admitting that we're sinful. That's admitting that that we've broken our relationship with God through sin, through rebellion against him, doing things our own way instead of his way. Admitting that we need a savior and that we can't save ourselves. That's hard for us to do. But that's the beginning of knowing him, is humbling ourselves before him, even as he humbled himself on the cross. We humble ourselves before him and say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me. I need you to give me eternal life. And he gladly responds because he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how you were raised. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise his name. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, what a blessing to be together with your people this morning. In person, through the internet, and Father, by your spirit, united with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe, celebrating this great event in history when Jesus emptied himself, making himself nothing, taking on human flesh and becoming a servant, even to the point of going to the cross for us. Father, there may be some in our service here this morning who've been waiting for something 
before they would receive Christ. Some, some are trying to, to get better. Some are trying to reform. Some are trying to, to stop doing some of the things they know they shouldn't be doing. Help them to see, Father, that no amount of reform, no amount of, of changing their ways is ever going to excuse them from the things they've done against you. They need forgiveness. Help them to see that that forgiveness is offered to them freely through the work and person of Jesus, the Savior. Help them to put their trust in him, to give themselves to him. And Father, we thank you for the transforming work that your spirit does in each of us who believe. And we pray that you would do that in all of those who might come to you this morning and all of us who have come to you in the past and are still in that process of being transformed by the renewing of our minds as we get to know you better and better through the truths of your word, through the fellowship of your spirit with the body of Christ. We pray that you would make this season a very special one as we celebrate it with family, as we celebrate it together as a church, even on on Thursday for our Christmas Eve services. Father, we pray that you would be glorified through us. In Jesus' name, amen.